0: Oh, let's pray to our God. Lord God in heaven. Lord, we worship you. We sing alleluia to your name because that's all we can do. We can offer you our hearts, our lives, our praises. And God, this morning we ask that you would do do a mighty thing. We'll be glorified in what takes place in the next few minutes here. God, that our minds would be shifted to you, our hearts would be focused on you, and your spirit would pour out his, his eternal goodness upon us, that grace would abound, and Lord, that we could leave all those worries that, that we've come with from outside, we could put it at your feet because we know, God, that you're in control. You are sovereign. You hold this world. You hold us in the palm of your hand, and so we sing alleluia to God. We thank you. We thank you for loving us, for choosing us, for guiding us, for giving us eternal security, eternal salvation, and God, we can rest in you. And now, God, we want to open your word, and we want you to speak, impart your wisdom to us. And only, the only way you can do that is by illumination of your Holy Spirit, as he speaks to our hearts. So let us not hear man's words, let us hear your word, God. Lord, we give it to you, and we look expectantly, God, on what you're going to do. And in these things, we pray. And the church says, "Amen." All right, have a seat. Thank you, Chandler. Give him up. That's great. <laughs> and my daughter, give it up. That was great. And the worship team, we can get up for to them too. All right, all right. You're dismissed. Okay. You know it's a great day. Is you know we we have our service opportunity Sunday here at your time. Check out everything that's going on because God has graced us with abundance here at the church. He's graced us with wonderful servants' opportunity to serve and to be His lights in this community that we live in. I shared with you at the beginning of our series of Renovation of the Heart, I shared on January 7th the vision of the church of what we want to do and who we want to be. And so I want to reiterate that to you if you'd like to see it. It says this, grounding people in Jesus' truth to transform their lives and impact their families, communities, and the culture heart by heart for Christ. That is our desire. That is what we want to do. We are here to impact people. We are here not to be the same people we were when we first got saved. We want to grow and become more like God, impacting those around us, those in our church, and beyond into the world. Because as it says in Philippians, we understand who we are. It says, we are called to but be blameless and innocent children of God above reproached in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast to the word of truth in this verse you see that there are times that we live in just like in Paul's day it's crooked, it's perverse you don't have to go very far to see that and we are men and women that are called to be lights in this community To be the beacon of hope for humanity in Peoria, in in, in Phoenix, in Glendale, wherever you hang your hat, we are called to impact our families. We are called not to remain the same and not be like the world. And so today I'm going to approach a subject, and some of you might get a little uncomfortable about it, but I want you to understand that, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about your body. You go, body? Yeah. Because I believe if you want to be a light in the community, there's only one way to do it. It's in this vessel. Think about that. You each came in the same body you were born with, right? You can't exchange it. You'd like to. But the reality is, is this is it. This is it. And understand it very clearly. It says anything God does with you, he is going to do it with your physical body. And we have to understand that we need to take care of it. A lot of times we think, okay, I'm going to give God my soul, but the rest is mine, right? No, he gets it all. And that's where the Christian walk often stumbles. Because we're happy to give God our time and our our spiritual side, but the physical aspect of our lives, we don't want to give it. You know, what what my eyes see, I don't care, it's mine. You know, It's all about the soul as Jesus is, everything else is mine. And that is wrong. This is God. When you signed on the dotted line, when you gave your soul to him for eternal security, for, for salvation, for him to be your Lord and Savior, he got it all, all of you. And so we can't just renovate our heart. We can't just renovate our emotions and feelings. We've got to renovate and deal with this as well. As you'll see the title today, we need to be caring for what is God's. See, this is God's. And many of us, we don't look at it like that. We think it's ours, but we have to care for what is God's. You're the steward of it. You are the manager of it. You're the person that facilitates what goes in and out of this thing, right? And so you've got to make sure, hey, what am I doing to it? See, the world has done amazing things to destroy what God loves. I mean, from the basic stuff, we can talk about wars. Rips people apart all through human history. But we can also look at the latest things too We understand that stress has has crept in Uh, An amazing work ethic that we have Of work, work, work Well some of us and some of us are sloth, sloth, slothful, right? And the thing is that those both destroy the body Inactivity versus overactivity Or you can think of other things too Tobacco use Drug use Prescription drug use I mean, think about that thing. So you never watch the TV shows and you'll just sit there in the commercial and it says, hey, this drug will solve your gout, but it might you know, make you lose hair, make you lose your eyes, make you lose everything about you, right? But your gout's going to be fine. See, We, we got these drugs. We got, now we have fentanyl, an epidemic in the United States, where if you just touch it by, by ha- happenstance, you could die. Satan is working overtime. You're going, what, Satan? Yeah, let me remind you of something. Let me remind you something Look at John 1 John chapter 5 verse 19 It says We know that we are children of God And that the world around us Is under the control of the evil one Now think about this The evil one He's in control of all the dynamics He doesn't like this See Adam and Eve They were created to live for forever And what's the one thing he did He corrupted that And so now the body decays now we see people need help. We understand that this does not last for forever. And Satan wants to destroy it even more so. I mean, why do you think we, we have GMOs in our food? I mean, in Europe, they don't let it. Russia, they don't let it. Satan doesn't want the body to prosper. I mean, why do you think he likes abortion? I mean, you can go to the first chapter of Luke talks about a fetus in the first chapter of Luke, but the same word used for the first, in the first chapter of Luke for a baby as a fetus, it's used as for Jesus in the second chapter of Luke. God looks at a baby alive in the womb and alive outside of the womb as synonymous, and Satan wants to destroy it. He's working overtime to inflict pain on what God holds dear to him, the body. See, you were created so that you could be a, an instrument a beacon of hope for god and satan does not want that to succeed now a lot of us we could go well you know what tom hey my body's failing already i am not as surprised i used to be as a teenager right maybe you're not as good looking as you used to be right i think that's that's all of us we can go yeah if you see me you don't want that and the thing is is so a lot of us we go well it's too late now and i tell you you know just because your body is aging and it always ages Young people, get ready, okay. It's gonna happen. Is that an excuse to give up? No, it's not. We are not here to give up. We are here to persevere until God calls us home. I wanna share with you a verse out of Romans chapter six. And in verse 13, Paul writes this, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin, as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to god as those alive from the dead and you and your members as instruments of righteousness to god now if you're to look at the latter part of the verse it says instruments it's a tool of what of righteousness of of to who to God. This is God's gift to you and you give it back to him. He's saying here, God, my body is a tool for you. It's a tool for you to do amazing things. I'm giving it back to you. I've already done that. It's yours for righteous work. That's where the Christian misses it. We self-indulge and overindulge in alcohol. We, we, we take tobacco products. You watch things. You consume things. You watch it and you bring it into your house, into your mind. And the reality is it affects us. It causes depression, which, which, which attacks the body. It causes diabetes when you, when you do certain things you shouldn't be doing. And the reality is, is we are men and women that are called to take care of this wonderful gift that God has given us so what do we do we got to remind ourselves of a few things because if you want to be somebody that's a light in the wicked and perverse generation you want to impact your culture you want to impact for god understand this that i am a caregiver of my body you're the steward of it you're the manager of it you are the person that takes care of your body I can tell my kids, going, kids, you know, can you take care of my body? And they go, when you're dead? No. When I'm alive? They go, how can I do that? See, it's up to me. It's up to me to care for what God has given. And God gives us the tools to do it. And our primary passage, if you want to turn there, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians and in chapter 6. And Paul, he's writing to the church of Corinth and he's encouraging them on how to use their body and to understand it. In verse 12, it says this, and all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. See, Paul's saying, you know what? I can can eat what I want. I I can drink what I want, but the reality is, is doing all that really helping? Is it really helping me? And he goes on to say, and he says, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, what's Paul saying? He's saying, You know what? I'm not going to be a master and be mastered by, by a, a product, a food source, a drug source. He's like, You know what? I can, I can try it, sure, but I'm not going to let that rule my life. That's what he's saying. I don't, I'm not going to be a master of anything, a master of anything. And he goes on to say in verse 13, he goes, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. You see, he's saying, you know what? Today's your day to practice. Today's your day to get a hold and discipline yourself because you know what? Those things are gonna pass, but your discipline, what you learn on how you have treated yourself will live on. And he says, those are gonna pass, but so don't let those be a master of you. I mean, how silly would it be if we go to heaven and go, who is your master on earth? Food. Really? See any food around here? Well, you know, my stomach. Really? You know, come on. You know, we are not to be mastered by those things. And we aren't to do them just because we feel like it. This is our training ground. This is the school that we are learning on how we will be in eternity. And so it matters. It matters because we can impact our eternity. We can impact it by the way we eat, by the way we live. We're not to be mastered by anything. We're not to be mastered by laziness. It's really sad that many people just, all I'm going to do is veg out, and all you do is veg out. I'm going to surf the net, and that's all you do. I'm going to be mastered by sex, going, I, I have to consume more of this, or drug, or a food. You see, see those things, or work, you're letting that run and rule your life, and that deteriorates the body, and we need to understand that we are here to care for it. And the world thinks, no, 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 do what you want, consume what you want, be who you want. That, that's how it used to be for you, because now you're God's. So let me remind you about a few things. You are God's person, and I want you to remind you of these things to encourage you to help you look at it a little bit deeper. So please, write this one down. Understand that I regard my body as holy. See, so you've got to regard this as holy, because it is. I mean, this is a spectacular thing that you are a light to the world in, and so you are the representation of God to the world. You are a holy fixture in an in-holy world. And we don't think of it like that. Look with me, if you would. We'll go to Corinthians again. Look at verse nineteen. It says, and, "And or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own?" Look, stop right. Here. That's that's the word of God. You are not your own. Sorry. So you are a steward of this And he's saying you have the Holy Spirit Who is in you You aren't your own The temple And as it goes on it says For you have been bought with a price Therefore glorify God in your body Is this being Are you being a person that God is glorified with Are you that person That people say man That person's a testimony to God where they looking at that person and go boy I don't want their God See, we, we have to understand how precious this is. I was able to go to the Vatican. And the Vatican and it's a city. It's a holy city, right? and you go to the Vatican ooh look at the walls you go in there and, you, and then you go on the tour and you go to the Sistine Chapel and you go through these things and you see all these gaudy things these statues these icons painting oh it's elaborate it's beautiful and, the, and the, 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 the paintings on the ceiling your head gets sore and you're looking at it and all and you go there to the Sistine Chapel and inside these people are like oh I'm so close to God I'm praying i'm i'm here and there's people that are just like one lying down some people want to just look and they ask you to be quiet and just pray you know it's so so holy god does not live in a building he is not there and we have to understand that my brothers and sisters who are catholics sorry you know what's even better than that god dwells in you that's huge Our world doesn't grab hold of that. My God lives in me. Where does he live? In my soul. And in my soul, where does that live? It dwells in my body. So my body is that temple. Please don't pray to me. (laughs) But the reality is, is your God is in you. You are the most spectacular thing that you can imagine. The dwelling of God is in you. The creator of the universe, he's in you. The power of the universe is within you. He is God who is there, and we have to remind ourselves of that, that you are holy. But not only that, as I said, this is a training ground. See, this is a representation of what's going to be in glory. Understand this, church. My body will be in glory. See, what's going to happen, you know? God's going to call you up. We can read about it in in 1 Thessalonians about the rapture of the church. We're like, woo-hoo, yeah. So those that are dead in Christ will rise first. So you're cremated or you're worm food. God's going to put you all back together. He's going to bring you right up and meet him in the clouds. And then those that are left alive are going to go up there in the the heavens and meet him. It's going to be fun. Our bodies, they're going to be glorified. I pray it won't be the same looking one. But You know what? We're all going to be able to tell who's who. No one's going to be a clone. You're you. God made you perfect just how he wanted you. And so that means our bodies are important to him, and he wants us to learn to take care of them because we use them for his glory. Look what it says here. We'll go to verse 13, or excuse me, which verse? 14. And it says, Now God has not only raised the Lord, that's Jesus, but will also raise us up through his power that's a promise so you don't know what you might look like but you know what god sure does and he's saying you know what i'm gonna bring you up and so that's an encouragement for us going you know what hey this is important enough for him to resurrect it that it's important enough for me to take care of it now So not only are we holy, we're going to have a representation of our bodies in glory, and so we are stewards now. The next one, please understand this, is my body is part of Christ. Man, think of that. That is a deep statement. Literally, you have Christ. You are Christ's body. Because this is how he does his work. You are his instrument of righteousness in this world. You have now become a part of him. That's why you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You have become a part of Jesus. Literally. In verse 15, it says this. And do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? See, right there. You're a member of him. A part of him. Shall I then Take away the member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute. May it never be. What's he talking about here? He's talking about immorality. He's saying you subjugate yourself as a, as an immoral person. You are bringing that in to Christ. That's what he's saying. Literally, you are bringing taint onto the Christ. And so when you subjugate your eyes to pornography, when you are watching something on on TV that is not uplifting, you are bringing that into the body of Christ because it's coming through your body. Whoa. Now that's a profound statement, but that's the reality of what the Word of God is saying. And Paul is warning us of this. See, understand, how you treat your body is a testimony to the body of Christ. How you treat it, that's a testimony. It's a witness a very good witness. Well, then you can step up a little bit. God wants you to be a witness. He wants you to be blameless. And, I, and he's so worried the church of Corinth, just like the United States, was in a wicked and perverse generation, and we are too. We are too. It's perverse. It's wicked. And it's crept into the church and we got to guard ourselves from that from that perversity coming in. And Paul warns it, and we could see it in verse 16. it says, "Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, "The two shall become one." See, he's saying, marriage is, is key for intimacy. is when you come together, you are a representation of, of the Godhead. You are bringing that intimacy together And when you go outside of marriage When you are not married young people And you go in and you deal And have sex outside of wedlock You are bringing a prostitute Into the relationship With you and God Husbands and wives The same thing goes When you are desiring somebody else Because God says when you look at a woman wrongly With the lust of your heart You've already committed adultery So watch what you're watching. We have to understand that this is so important to God. And then he goes on to say, this is us now in verse 17. But the one who joins himself with the Lord is one spirit with him. You see, when we are with God, we are intimate, we are one. That means Jesus is in you. That means he's part of you. And so you don't want to be immoral and bring that taint, perversity, whatever it be, into that relationship because you are there giving witness to God that Jesus is filth. That's what you're doing. And Paul ends this segment and says, flee from immorality. Every other sin that man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Women too. When we let that in, we are sinning against our bodies. We are literally bringing perversity into our lives. So we guard ourselves from that. We, we say, you know what? I need to flee from that because my body is God's. You go, okay, Tom, that's good and all, but, but how, how do we work with this? Because in our lives, in this culture we live in, this culture has designed, like I said, by Satan to destroy your body, to, to, to diminish the God that lives it within you, to to bring him down low, to bring disgrace upon him. So how do we steer ourselves so we can be lights? And it's going to sound very simple, and that's good, because God doesn't try to hide things and make it so difficult for a Christian. He wants you to succeed. And so we started at the beginning of time with this. So understand, this is how we're going to do it. This: I give care by practicing the Sabbath. what? The Sabbath? It's a a day set aside for God. Because you want to rejuvenate your soul. You want to get back in track. You want to have the the wherewithal and the means so that you can live in this world. You need to set aside and practice the Sabbath. Go back to the beginning. In in the beginning, it says, in the beginning, God created, right? What did you do on, on day seven? Rested. He, he did it at the beginning, so he said, this is important. And then he goes on to the Jewish culture, and he says to Moses, here, write these top ten things down. And number four is keep, four, keep the Sabbath. That's what it is. He says, keep the Sabbath. Honor it. You'll really, it's that important. God understands because this world runs us ragged. God wants us to. Look, look it back at verse 13. It says, Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. You see, we need God. God says, yes, you need me all the time. Now set a day aside where you come to me and you are truly involved with me. And that's a special day of the week. Some people, it, they take Saturday. Some people take a Sunday. For me, I, I, I work, and so I, I have to take my Sabbath that's generally on Friday. I take, I take some time away with God, and I take some time to put everything else and rejuvenate myself with God and with doing things that are outside of the norm for me. A lot of pastors do that. This one pastor, he went up to Sedona, and, and he, he took his Friday off, and this guy met him at church goes pastor I tried all day for to get a hold of you on Friday and the pastor said well it was my day off the guy said well the devil never takes a day off and he goes if I didn't I'd be just like the devil (laughs) see the reality is is we each need to take some time you want to know why you're so mean sometimes it's because we don't take any time away I got too much to do No, you got plenty of time that you can put to other things you got to take it to God and give some time so what do we do here it is. First one. Set one day aside for connection with God. One day. And that's a lot of us are coming together this morning and we connect with God for an hour and that's good. We want to connect and it's, and it's called, it's biblical. We can look in Hebrews. We're not to forsake coming together. So we connect with the body of Christ. Why do I say coming to church and connecting with others? What did I just say? Each of you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It means God's involved in your life. together. We are a culmination of that body. And we interact together, and it's a holy thing. Rance talked about it last week. He said, hey, don't forsake it. Get involved with other believers. It's so important. But we can't just leave it there. Because a lot of people go, I've got my hour. I did it good. Oh, I maybe did my small group. Okay, that is eh, four hours. I'm good. No. It goes a little deeper than that. See, when we practice the Sabbath, I want you to do this discipline. Practice solitude and silence. You go, oh, I, I get silent. No, I'm actually saying take your phone, leave it somewhere. Take the earbuds out and be quiet before God. We go, oh, that's that's crazy. I I I connect with God, with K Love and my worship team. I need it, I need it, and I need it all the time. No, you need to be silent before God. It's a spiritual discipline to be silent. Jesus didn't go out there, the disciples, call me if you need me. I got my cell on. He went away with God. He got away and he quieted his heart. And I tell you, you know what I do when I get silent and I go before God? I bring a notepad and I take those thoughts out of my head. Because if it's up here, I always say it owns me. If it's on paper, I own it. So I don't have to think about those things if I have to do it. Write it down and I can be quiet before the Lord. Because that's where we start connecting. Because when we are alone with him, you know, he reveals things. He reveals that sin to us. I tell you if you're if you're bombarding yourself with with christian music and christian video games and christian movies and christian websites it's all good right you're not silent and god can't speak to you as he wants to oh he can speak whenever he wants but generally i will say god speaks when we're quiet give him that opportunity and we need to go to it look what it says in isaiah isaiah here in 26 verse 3 and it says the steadfast mind The steadfast of mind, you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. The steadfast mind meaning, hey, we're we're focused on God. And God gives you peace. You want to know why you lack peace? It's because you're not being peaceful. Think of that. We need to quiet ourselves from the bombardment of this world. Get alone with God. And that scares people. It scares people because we're hooked on everything. And we need to wean ourselves from the reality that we need control. We gotta wean ourselves from that because that's not peaceful. We need to wean ourselves from the the need to attain or the need to produce. We need quiet silence. It doesn't in there. So we get together with others. We're quiet in silence. But understand this, is get enough rest and sleep. You go, oh great, I love this one. Right? Yeah, we need it. Sadly, we are run ragged, and we, we are not taking care of ourselves. We don't have enough rest or sleep. That's what marks the Sabbath, is we take rest. We clear our minds. Now, I'm not saying be wasteful or slothful go home today and go i'm done bye honey turn on the tv and veg out that's not what it's saying look what the psalmist said here we'll go to psalms in psalm 4 verse 8 it says in peace i will both lie down and sleep so lie down meaning hey i'm taking a rest and then yeah i'll sleep for you alone O god or lord make me dwell in safety. Meaning he dwells with God. You see what he's doing there? Sometimes we need that rest and sleep to clear our minds. Do you know you become so easily tempted and fall into sin when you're tired? Man, when you're tired, you know, that's when Satan comes and gets on you and gives you those things that you just willingly just give in to. Now, I'm not saying, you know, waste your day away. I know some people deal with depression that's not what we're getting at here. Some people sleep because, because of depression. Some people sleep because they want to escape from the world. Whatever it is, that's not what we're here to do. If you're sad, no. We go to God, and we spend time with God. And, and so we, we, we grow in Him in that way. Now, after, after church, my kids know, oh, what do I do? I come home, and I eat. And then I go lay on the couch for a good 20 minutes. And I'm out, and I'm snoring. Everybody knows it. And the thing is, good, I, I, I don't sit there and go, then I turn on the TV and veg out, because it's hard, it's really hard, because I really, really can't do it. Remember the days you had 13 channels, you could just turn to anyone you wanted? Now you got 150, and you're just like, what is on, what is on? By the time I'm done scrolling, I just want to go outside. See, church, we're not made just to be stagnant on our Sabbath. We're made to get out and be with God. That's why I say you got to exercise. Exercise. One word. Everybody's running for the hills right there, right? It's like one word. You exercise. I don't care if it's toe touches or running a marathon. What, what, what connects you with the Lord? Where are you doing? A lot of times we don't do that. We don't actively take care of our bodies. You know, our exercise is the clicker. Our exercise is the finger. Going up and down our tablets and looking, hey, what else is there to see? I do that. But that is not restful to the mind. so I get out there, and what do you do? You toil in the garden? You do something like that? That's what we're called to do. See, I I, I tell you, if you're active, the joy thing is that you get, it increases your strength and your mental alertness when you exercise. When you're slothful, when you're sitting in front of a screen, what does it do? It drains you down, it drains you, it makes you tired. It sucks the energy right out. That blue screen is wonderful, isn't it? we got to guard ourselves from that. Because why why do you think it's a bombardment? It's a distraction for you to get away from God. That's why people don't want to be alone with their thoughts. So we get out and we exercise. We spend some time. And then the last one, oh, actually, I want to write this down. (laughs) Please, get this about exercise. See, if you don't pay attention to your body with exercise, one day they will demand attention with a health crisis. You know it. I know it. See, we're, we're, we're to be mentally alert. We're supposed to get out. Because if you don't, nature will take its course. And so we have to guard ourselves from that. And so we do that, and then through that exercise, the last one is the big one. Maintain a healthy diet. Whoo. I mean, come on. I, I, back in the day, Laura and I, you know, when we first started out and everything, we, she, she, we were these organic people. We would eat only organic things. We would even get the steer and have it slaughtered and do all that fun stuff and get good meat and all that. Now it's just, we just go to roadkill, and get it on the side of the street. and No, just kidding, we don't do that. But the thing is, is so often it, it's expensive. I get it. But be wise. Be wise because what you consume affects you. And so if you're just living on candy and Gatorade all day, that's probably not a good thing. Those Red Bulls, watch it. We need to guard ourselves from that. Understand, hey, this is God's body. We, do, we shouldn't abuse it with food, with all the extra things. Because you ever notice it? You know, you, you eat too much during the day, and what happens at lunchtime? You go, you go back to work, and you go, you're not productive. You're not productive. Or on the other side of things, you know? Maybe you don't eat enough. See, that was my problem. Still is. I still have that problem. You go, really? See, there's overeating and there's undereating. When I was in a young person and in college, I, I, I didn't want to take the time to eat because I'd rather do. I'd rather spend my money on other things than food. You're going, well, that's kind of weird. Hey, that's a problem many people have. I remember being in Target. I hadn't eaten in a day and a half. And what happened? All of a sudden, you know what? The walls started closing down and my, my blood sugar. I was re- getting ready to pass out. Because I wasn't taking care of my body It's just as dangerous as overeating If you're not taking care of your body And watching what you do You need to be careful of that See eating properly gives you energy To do God's will Meaning like Jonathan Edwards He watched what he ate So he could be productive Jonathan Edwards is known as the American theologian And he has such a great mind And he wrote so much about the word of God And he poured his life into it To enjoy it so we could enjoy what he gave But he wanted to make sure That he every hour was beneficial So he watched his diet And he knew what made him tick And so what would give him the energy That he needed to prolong What he needed to do for God's word that's who we need to be. So often we just go, like, give me a bag of Skittles and I'm on my way. And I like that too, but that's not what God wants us to do. And you're going, I don't know, Tom, if I can do it. Any of this stuff. I don't know about keeping the Sabbath. Yeah, I'm holy, I hear you. You know, I don't know, I've got my problems. I got an addiction problem. Maybe I got, I got a tobacco issue. Maybe I just don't care. You gotta learn to take care of yourself. I shared with you a few weeks back, 2 Timothy, and it says very plainly, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but one of power, which is ability to do, due to us. And love and discipline. It's very key, because our culture looks at this, and they forget this. The Christian culture forgets this. So often we look at discipline differently, like grit your teeth and bear it. Just do it. See, understand That self-discipline does not come from yourself. It doesn't come from grinning it and bearing it, to just sticking your your shoulder into it. That's not where discipline comes. God has called you to be the steward of your body, and he's not gonna leave you hanging. He's given you his spirit who dwells in you, making you a holy temple of God so you can achieve, so you can understand that self-discipline comes from God. See, he didn't give you a spirit of fear timidity he gave you one of courage to step up so you can do and you have the holy spirit in you so you can love and discipline yourself the world needs a disciplined christian because we are the ones that impact them and take courage you can do it because i'll tell you then understand that courage doesn't come from within it comes from god he didn't give you a spirit of fear He gave you a spirit of love, ability, and discipline. So you can do it. You can sketch out a day for God. Yes, young people, you can disconnect from devices. Yes, we can do this because why? God wants you to do it. God commanded you to do it. And God gave you the ability to do it. It's ours to trust in him and say, God, help me. That's why I love Matthew. And this is out of the New Living Translation. It says, keep asking and asking. If you, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened. See, God wants you to go to him every day to ask him, help me with this, God. Help me with this. And he wants to answer that prayer, because why? It's what he desires for you, so that you could be a living and holy, righteous instrument to him. He wants that to happen. But it's our job to take the step forward. And as we take a step forward in faith, grace and dudamos abound. And you can. Because you're the caregiver of what God's. What, God, what is God's. Which means God wants you to take care of what's his. So we should. So as we go this week, saying, God, I need your help. There's just one area. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, you've given us ability. You've given us desire. And Lord, right now, I lift up this church to you. There is a big opportunity for us to be lights, to show people your glory. And Lord, we might look at ourselves and we go, how is this a temple? How is our body a temple? But God, you will radiate yourself through us. You will draw people to yourself that means you'll draw people to us to give us opportunity and so God we celebrate you we celebrate that that fact that this is your tool this is your instrument of righteousness in the wicked and perverse generation help us God to show people that help us to show them you Lord we invite you to live through us help us Lord God to do that Lord be with this church as they go Give them opportunity this week. Give them that one person that they can minister to. We thank you in Jesus' name.